Jury deliberations continue for four men accused with what prosecutors say was a plot to kidnap Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer. Sensational as it is, Michiganders are no stranger to extreme anti-government sentiment. You policemen are all cowards! You betrayed us! What's caused small sections over time of the state's population to turn to violent extremism, and is Michigan unique, or is this a bigger problem? This is The Daily J. I'm Zach Clark. It was late last week that the federal trial of Adam Fox, Barry Croft Jr., Daniel Harris, and Brandon Caserta wrapped up. They are accused of concocting a plot to kidnap Governor Gretchen Whitmer. The government said that they, the defendants surveyed the governor's summer cottage on at least two occasions, one of them at night with night vision goggles. A detailed drawing of the area was made, and there was a plan to take out a bridge to the governor's home, and one defendant actually went under that bridge. That is WWJ's Charlie Langton from original coverage a couple of years ago. Federal officials say the men began plotting back in 2020 because they were upset with the governor's COVID restrictions in the early days of the pandemic. Defense lawyers argue the group was manipulated by an informant who was taking direction for months from the FBI. More than a dozen face charges, but only these four men are facing federal charges. Political extremism is not new in Michigan. Going back to around that same time when the alleged plot to kidnap the governor was foiled, the Michigan State Capitol was overtaken by armed protesters. They were also angry at COVID restrictions. These armed protesters came face-to-face -face with on-duty Michigan State police officers. You policemen are all cowards! You betrayed us! The police have betrayed the people! Treason! 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 The protest that were happening at the Lansing Capitol in April 2020 were pretty disturbing to see, not because there were political protests. I mean, that is part of our constitutional framework. People can be aggrieved and, and angry and upset for lots of different reasons and, and demand sort of accountability and questions from their government. But I think what occurred at the Capitol two years ago uh, now is that that seemed wholly different from other types of political protests because people were not only armed to the teeth, but went into the Capitol armed to the teeth. Thankfully, there was no violent action that occurred that day, but it could have very easily happened. That was the voice of Javed Ali. Javed spent over 20 years working as a senior U.S. government counterterrorism official. Now he's an associate professor at the University of Michigan's Ford School of Public Policy. What has happened in Michigan over the past several years has been shocking, but it is not new. Back in the 1990s, the anti-government group, the Michigan Militia, claimed over 10,000 members. The Michigan Militia was founded by people like this guy. The federal government itself is the child of the armed citizen. You senators are part of the child that we, the people, gave life to. The federal government needs a good spanking to make it behave. That is Norm Olson in the early 90s testifying in Washington, D.C. He's considered to be one of the founding fathers of the Michigan militia. In April of 1995, something terrible happened. Bombing in Oklahoma City was an attack on innocent children and defenseless citizens. It was an act of cowardice, and it was evil. The United States will not tolerate it, and I will not allow the people of this country to be intimidated. 
168 people, including 19 children, were killed when a rental truck full of explosives was detonated in front of a federal building. The men ultimately convicted, Timothy McVeigh and Terry Nichols, have Michigan militia ties. They were said to have attended militia meetings before they orchestrated their attack. In fact, Nichols is from the Thumb area. And at one point, his brother James, also from the Thumb area, was considered to be a suspect as well, though those charges were later dropped. Javid Ali, our counterterrorism expert, says the state's diverse political makeup and geography is part of what drives these factions to grow. Michigan is a very interesting state from a political culture perspective. And I think the farther you go outside of the major metropolitan areas, the more conservative the state becomes. So you mix those things together, and then it's no surprise that you see militia groups prop up that, that again, express these extremely libertarian ideas and beliefs, are staunch advocates of these constitutional protections, whether the First Amendment, Second, and unfortunately, sometimes extremists can develop in those broader communities and, and broader circles. And I think that is the history of what we've seen in Michigan over the last 30, 40 years. Back to the case of the four men awaiting a verdict after being accused of trying to kidnap the governor. Javid says one of the scary things about these splinter groups is how hard they can be to track. The evidence that has come out, if you look at how the plot sort of progressed and where the federal government working with state and local law enforcement was able to understand what was happening, there was a lucky break. Somebody inside the Watchman group, which no one knew had existed for the most part, right? Because this wasn't like the Michigan militia with thousands of people in its ranks. And this is a very small group that came together for another reason. And then once COVID kicked in and there were you know, pretty intense restrictions here, then their agenda shifted. But in that transition period, uh, in response to the COVID restrictions, somebody inside that closed group of the Watchmen decided that whatever they were hearing was too extreme. And then that person went to local law enforcement agency here in Michigan, who then contacted the FBI here in the state. And that is where the thread got pulled. Absent that early sort of FBI and law enforcement intervention and understanding, given how relatively sophisticated they were, they could have gotten much deeper into the plot. And that's what, to me, makes this particular matter so, so disturbing. In theory, one way to stop extremist behavior before it turns violent is to understand at what point the anger manifests itself into something more. But Javid says it is just not that simple. I wonder when or how these people cross that line where one day they're angry and the next day they have a gun in their hand. Yeah, that's a great question. And unfortunately, um, there's no definitive answer on that. And I spent a lot of time trying to look at this on the pure sort of domestic terrorism side and what I would consider sort of the far right world, which is not just an anti-government one. I mean, there are other ideological kind of strands within this broader far right. But all that said, no matter what end of the ideological spectrum you look at, there's no single definitive profile. There's no single definitive answer. People will be shaped by their own life experiences, by their own sense of kind of what is right and what is wrong. But trying to understand that line of what spurs someone from just being angry and upset to violence, that is very difficult. And it's also very difficult for law enforcement and the intelligence community to spot it in advance. I'm left with two questions here. The first being, why is this happening here in Michigan? 
Are other states dealing with similar issues? I've been asked this question a lot over the past couple of years, and I still don't have a good answer for it. If this subculture that exists here in Michigan that it seems to have a pretty strong anti-government bent to it and people willing to take violent action too, or at least a small number of people willing to take violent action, I don't know if that makes Michigan more or less unique than other parts of the country. Because unfortunately, in the United States, we've seen other lethal attacks. We've seen other plots. Maybe nothing is ambitious and as audacious as the plot to kidnap Governor Wimmer, but there have been other lethal attacks. And there have also been multiple arrests and disruptions. So there's a, a much deeper body of people who wanted to do something but were stopped, thankfully. So I just, as a former counterterrorism analyst, I just don't Even in my own head, I don't know where the body of evidence sort of points. And my last question was, have we hit the peak in this behavior? Javed says he expects it to continue across the country in the near future. He says it will likely manifest itself in familiar ways. If we haven't reached the peak of this wave, then this threat, as it continues to manifest, will look like the threat that existed already. So think about the Dylan Roof attack in 20. 15. Think about the Charlottesville murder with the vehicle ram- ramming of Heather Heyer in 2017. Think about the Robert Bowers attack against the Tree of Life synagogue in 2018. The Patrick Crucius attack against individuals at the Walmart in El Paso, Texas. That, I think, is what this is going to look like. We're going to see a lot of people willing to take action. Most will be disrupted. But there will be one or two every year that slip the cracks of that broad law enforcement and FBI net. And that will continue to keep the momentum going for this threat as it sort of exists right now. And the grievances aren't going away either. All the grievances that people had during COVID or sort of January 6th, I think those grievances are still out there. They may not resonate as as loudly as they did. And there will be a new set of grievances people will, will latch on to. The political divide in Michigan, it's clear. Those willing to commit acts of violence, though, remain in the minority, the extreme minority. But remember what Javid said. There's no real way to track these groups. They manifest and evolve quietly and rapidly, which means the threat of danger will likely always linger. Big thanks to Javid Ali. He is a senior U.S. government counterterrorism official. Now he's an associate professor at the University of Michigan's Ford School of Public Policy. I also want to say thank you to Neil Blake from MLive. He shot the video of those armed protesters you heard inside the Michigan Capitol back in 2020. Our theme music is written and produced by Ozone Music and Sound in Royal Oak. I'm Zach Clark, and this is The Daily J. Thanks for listening.